You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about DC's Stargirl. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, someone we haven't had in a while, and that's because she's had a kid in the interim, and that is my friend Jess. Welcome back to the 42 Cast, Jess. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> Good. We're glad to have you back. <laughs> Any Anything else going on for you in that time? No, not really, because I took a break from podcasting. So um, it's kind of been kind of nice to get back. Uh, we came back with Legends, or I came back with Legends. Um, my co-hosts have been carrying on in my absence. But yeah, we, they covered uh, the rest of Superman and Lois. They covered all of Stargirl. So I'm super excited to talk about Stargirl because I didn't get to podcast about it mm-hmm. like at all. Um, but other than that, no, I mean, just trying to get back in the swing of things, the swing of work, and of course, mm-hmm. right in time for the holiday season. So yay. yeah i started a new job recently so you know that's and with the same company so it's not like a complete switch over but like a completely new group that's almost completely unconnected from the old group that i was in so um there's been a lot there and and the guy who was supposed to be my boss quit such that my start date was like he left the friday before my monday start date Oh, <laughs> so yeah, that was, and then come to find out that he like had like this whole big blow up and was unhappy and he wiped his hard drive before he left and like nobody knows what he was working on and it's it's been kind of a like a, a mess <laughs> since I came Whoa. in. <laughs> I hope you don't like work for something that works on like top secret stuff. No, (laughs) no, it is engineering, but it is, (laughs) it is, uh, more, uh, you know, corporate, like, like more like company, like we're, our customers are companies, like whether it's pharmaceutical or paper or industrial or stuff like that, like that's, that's our customers. So not the military or not like anything like government okay, so good. yeah um so but, he didn't walk away with <laughs> right so yeah it's it's been kind of a mess you know getting you know, but but the good thing is everybody's really understanding because they know that i'm in this really bad situation where you know it's uh, there's a lot of unknowns and they just need somebody to work on it and try to get it all straightened out so that's good um but but yeah it's it's been kind of so i i understand understand about getting into the swing of things is, is my point yeah yeah, well, good <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> let's get to have you back on the show jess good to be here all right and next up you know him as the guy that absolutely loves comics and he will tell you about that all the time with his web series and that is my buddy eric how are you doing eric doing good i just lettered uh lettered uh this week's uh new comic day before mm-hmm. uh Probably about an hour before we went live. I mean, it was only 
one one that one but it's uh because it's a full pager with a jurassic park uh sam neil homage so <laughs> nice the whole uh clever girl <laughs> do you have which any may idea? or may not be mimi in this situation but do i know you... he doesn't say it but like a lot of people equate it with him but still <laughs> do either of you know when jurassic world 3 is supposed to come out now nope <laughs> yeah because i mean like i think it's done i think they like but it's like one of those movies that has just been kind of like orphaned and floating around for you know when are we going to actually release this i don't know it got pushed back at least three times yeah so i'm just curious because it's going to have the original cast in it so i'm just kind of curious like what the you know when that's going because i'm like oh maybe i'll actually like one of the jurassic world movies if it has the original cast in it. <laughs> they they pulled uh they pulled sam neill away from herding his sheep so right. <laughs> that's a legitimate thing <laughs> i did not know that about him that's funny yeah yeah he's he's a farmer now yeah he, uh, he cheap all the time <laughs> more more power to him that's cool yeah and um what is her name laura dern uh i think this name of the actress um i think so yeah yeah and she was in like but there was a huge gap like in her career until she did um um not last jedi you know when she was like that admiral oh, yeah. holdo or right. whatever you know like and I she came in her. but yeah that was the thing because i was because when i saw the movie i was like wait she seems really familiar and so i had right. to go home and and look on imdb and i was like who was she it's like oh she was from jurassic park okay now i know why she looked so familiar to me um but yeah she had like a big career gap too so like yeah it's like basically jurassic world is going to give them all like a you know a money again so that's great <laughs> um but uh but yeah so no that's cool that you're working on the web comic eric and uh, anything else going on uh just watch the 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 spider-verse part two slash Mm. slash now apparently going to be three parts that we mm. just found out which is cool but uh i just pulled them off of the shelf miguel <laughs> oh nice yeah. i'm very excited very excited to hear uh, oscar get to play miguel some more yeah talk about an awesome character spider-man 2099 yep yeah they did those characters so wrong though and the in marvel <laughs> um i i was a huge fan of the whole 2099 averse but like when they like fired joey cavalieri and then like ended yeah. all the comics and like with writers for most of them that weren't the writers who had been writing the series and so like the endings were like really awful and really dumb you know it was oh only man um so around 2015 2016 did the uh jonathan hickman um uh secret wars they one of the mini series was a uh return to 2099 and then right after that they had a they had a spider-man series uh spider-man 2099 where he was in our timeline but it was still like there was stuff from the 2099 timeline pulled in and it it was it was a really good was working on it uh working on a huge chunk of it and he did that mini series then he did the the run on the comic which was tying into the spider-man stuff at the time but it was still very much miguel and his universe kind of kind of not modernized but pulled in at the time i feel like you and i have talked about about that series before but it's peter david being peter david 
yeah, no, I was aware that that was something that was happening and you probably had mentioned it to me, but I also know that I saw it on Facebook and some things, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still really raw. Cause I was a huge fan of doom 2099 and I was a huge fan of Spider-Man 2099 and like how, how they ended all of that was so bad that it was just like, Oh, oh yeah. They rushed it. Yeah. They dropped the ball hard. Well, it's because they basically just ended, like, told people, like, this is ending, like, and gave them, like, two months' notice. So, I mean, it's like, how are you? Are you gonna, like I said, they, they got rid of the editor who had been, like, the guy who had been basically helming all the 2099 stuff. Or he left. I don't know if he left because they were saying they were going to end it, like, and he left early or if they fired him. But either way, you know, like it was, it was a bad situation and the stuff that was written for it was bad. I think X-Men 2099 was the only one where the writer stayed through those last two months and actually wrote the end, like, like stayed with the book and they didn't have to bring in another writer to end the book. And so that tells you a lot right there. Um, but yes, Miguel, I love Miguel. Um, I, 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 Peter David is always a genius with anything he writes anyway. And he wrote all but the last two issues of that first run of Spider-Man 2099. So, um, you know, that, those were, those were very, very good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's good to have you back on the show, Eric. Always good to be here. Yeah. Especially when you know, I know things. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You, you podcast and you know, things. <laughs> um so finally um we have back on the show the our our cosplay queen um and that is my lady wife beth how are you doing beth i'm doing good i sew and i know things okay. <laughs> yeah so what are you working on this time beth i am making a weird cross stitch i've never actually done one that was just completely text before and mm. this one is all text and it's like the the funny definition of what a cello is this is for our older daughter um for redecorating her room and this is going to be on her wall and it says uh cello noun aka the fat violin and it just goes on from there it's just like really really silly but it's, it's meant to give her a little bit of a chuckle if she feels in the mood to actually chuckle no yeah yeah and because rachel plays the cello for yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know we probably mentioned it on the show at some point yeah, before she, but it's not something that gets mentioned a lot so yeah i got her a bunch yeah. of uh, cello prints off of etsy and yeah I, I full disclosure i actually saw a print with this whole text on it and it didn't come in a very small size i was like uh maybe i'll just cross stitch that i don't know <laughs> so that's what i'm doing all right very cool and any anything else going on for you anything cool or geeky or oh uh, we just got back from chicago tardis yeah. um my costume plans fell through but our younger daughter went on stage for the masquerade the first time in what four years probably um but yeah, the last time she went on she burst into tears on stage and just you know it was a bad experience but this time she she pulled through and she she did her performance she, she wanted to do it she she was like mommy i want to do this thing this year um and she won best in show for the the young fan division. So mm -hmm. I was really proud of her. Oh, awesome. Yep. It was all uh, based on the hundred digits of pi. So that's awesome. Yeah, she actually sang the song. So she did great. Yep. So yeah, no, that's cool. And how about anything that you're watching that you like? Um, I think everyone knows what we're watching because you always sell them on all the outros. I hear you're recording at night. <laughs> um, we're watching The Expanse and Continuum and 
Yeah, we haven't watched yeah, any continuum for a while. We're we're basically like we're all in on the expanse, right? We're just grinding away at that. <laughs> we we're all in on these. I was like, you know, I feel like we should be watching other things in between and like bearing it up, but it's like, no, nah, I just want to watch more episodes of the expanse. And so yeah. We watched um the infinites last night. Yeah, no, I mean we watch movies occasionally. And, and yeah, it was really funny. Infinite is, was what we, what was really funny is that we had um one of those McDonald's toys from uh um the eternals sitting on the coffee table and so i kept looking at that and then looking at the tv and thinking oh these are like the same thing aren't they <laughs> well not <laughs> just really one word that just means like the same thing but, yeah you know. in- infinite was actually really awful <laughs> i really wouldn't recommend anyone watch that movie it it had potential the idea was really cool this idea that you know every time you die you like have full memory of like your next life kind of thing like like you know and so these people have like all these memories so in some ways like eternals that they've lived over you know countless generations and know things about the past but like it was such a straightforward action movie that the fact that they were just like that they were supposed to be these infinite people was almost like adjunct to it like it wasn't even like important (laughs) It was like you you had this great concept and you didn't really use it other than like for the fact that like this one guy who had amnesia, who was one of these people they needed to get, he knew something that they needed to know and they needed to remain, get him to remember. And it was like, but you could do that with a movie without people who are infinite and still do the same basic movie. And it's just like, I don't know. It just felt like a real like waste of the concept. And there was some really awful dialogue and it wasn't really that great, but I just wanted you to talk about it because people like, that's the thing when I do the outros, it's just like, so I'm watching this and it's cool and it's whatever. I mean, it's like, you're watching it with me. So you could actually like say like something. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Amos is great. Yeah. Amos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's a very fun character. No, but Avasarala is the great character. She is the MVP. Yeah, she's the MVP. (laughs) Still in season one. Well, she's in season one. She's the uh, sort of like Middle Eastern lady that's like in the government that is amazing. Yes. And even though she drops the F-bomb in every line of dialogue she has, she doesn't pull up with any crap from anybody. And that's just so cool. (laughs) She is so awesome. She's so awesome. Uh, all right but yes all right so but it's good to have you back on the show Beth. thank you for having me and <laughs> letting welcome. me stitch next to you yes yes well you're always working on something when you i do have show, to so, yeah. i'll go stir crazy and fall over on the floor and twitch if i don't i don't know where that came from i'm sorry carry on okay get dark <laughs> All right. Well, we're not going to do a five minute controversy this time because A, I didn't do my job and didn't find one. And B, uh, we started a little bit late anyway. So I'm gonna, just going to skip that part. Uh, but we are going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. And then we're going to talk, come back and talk about DC's Stargirl. In the Cosmic Pizza podcast, your pizza delivery guys, Dan, Sean, and Paul, serve you a slice of life. We talk to women in comedy, voice actors, film directors and producers, authors. We also talk about conspiracy theories, the Muppets, our top three films of the decades, famous people we confuse with each other, and our favourite stand-up comedians. We have recast Star Trek the Original Series and Babylon 5, and created our alternative superheroes. But most of all, we have had so much fun doing it every two weeks. Two weeks! The Cosmic Pizza Podcast is not about the cosmos or about pizza.
And like we talked about at the top of the show, we are going to talk about DC Stargirl. And since we are the exact same group to talk about season one, uh, that's pretty good. So <laughs> we can just get started with talking about it because you already know what we thought about season one. It's a legit sequel. That's right. It's a legit sequel. So um, just to sort of get like the ball rolling, um, you know, I mean, totally this season was kind of a surprise to me because I expected more of the same, basically. I mean, it's only the second season. Usually shows don't really, you know, change things up too much between the first two seasons. And I found this to be like a really, really tense, you know, butting up against. I mean, it's not horror in the sense of there's not a lot of gore and there's not a lot of like, you know, like jump scares or things of that nature. But it was really tense, really suspenseful in a way that the first season wasn't. And I'm just kind of curious to know what you guys felt about, like, just like sort of like uh, that as a sort of like overarching, like kind of like tonal shift in the show. Obviously the plot, which we're going to get to kind of lends itself to that. But again, just cause it was, you know, they called this season summer school. And so I was expecting like a lot of like school hijinks kind of like, so, and that's like, a very very small part of the very beginning of the season and then it's like yeah we're just going to ignore the whole summer school thing even though we're calling it that and you know we're 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 getting into this thing um so let's start with you on that one Jess like what do you think about the tone of this season I loved it I mean I'm all for like something that has like a darker grittier twist anyway and so I kind of really enjoyed it um, I mean, I think we all thought in season one, like going into it, it was a little bit more like upbeat and cheery, but it still had its like dark moments, like way darker than I think we were thinking they would go. And so like, it's felt like for this season, they were kind of like more upfront about that. Like we knew going in, there was going to be more of like a darker vibe, but I didn't really think there was going to be as much of like a horror vibe kind of, which I actually really liked. And I thought it was really well done. All right, Beth. <laughs> um yeah it, it was really tense like between episodes I was actually itching to figure out what was going to happen and what was going to go wrong I guess um because it, there was just so much I mean you got the shade in there and he's kind of spoopy and then you've got um his name oh um um yeah um Eclipso Eclipso thank yeah. you right and then we got Eclipso in there creeping it up. I mean, if there was ever a time where you need to find a creepy child for a role, Oof. they nailed it. That kid was yes. terrifying. I, I've actually said, because spoilers, um, Dr. Midnight comes back, the original one, and they find out that he has a kid that I'm like, if they ever show him and what he's doing like now, like they should have that kid play Dr. Midnight's kid just Ooh. to give him more work. <laughs> just as he's like, that's why Eclipso picked that form is just to like, really like freak Dr. Midnight out or something. Like I just thought that would be like a cool, like, you know, <laughs> thing, like a way to give that kid more work because that kid deserves it. Yeah. He was really good. I agree. But uh, so yeah. Anything, anything else, Beth? And the overview, not so much. We'll get into it a little bit more later. Oh, okay. All right, Eric. Char Charles is blind, though, so that when it freak him out, it would only freak out the rest of the cast. That's a good point. <laughs> um, but no, I I love the majority of the season. I have one major issue, which I will obviously rant about, but um, 
but no, I, I love the majority of the season. And I mean, you could, you could tell that that's for both the better and the worse. This is very much James, Jeff Johns and James Robinson's baby. It feels like a majority of that writer's room is heavily, heavily focused and under their control because there's, there's so much about comic book justice society, comic book, um, shade comic book uh even comic book eclipso i mean there's so much this this is the comic book show for the for the uh berlanti verse pretty much or the the cw verse whatever you want to call it this is very much while doom patrol is for streaming services this is the comic book show for for the for the cw shows and it's it's so heavily influenced by so much so much comic book work it's not even funny and that is to the strength of the show not the detriment of the show except for like i said except for one major issue uh yeah no i i really i really thought that this was incredibly well done uh, especially as me like i i'm not a fan of horror you know like that's not my thing at all but i think like this did a great job of like taking sort of like suspenseful and sort of horror elements and not like making them too you know up front and center and not going into zombies which everything needs to do these days apparently uh, <laughs> <laughs> which i absolutely hate um but uh but um you know it's uh but yeah i mean it was like everything from the opening sequence of the first episode where it's just really disturbing in the way it's presented and you don't get answers to questions there was in the second season of arrow there's an episode where slade wilson is in oliver's house meeting with his mom and of course oliver and slade know who each other are uh but the mom has no idea what's going on and i noticed at the end of that episode like when it was over that i had been like gripping the couch like with like you know it's like with like like super grip just because of how tense that whole episode was that's the same feeling i got from most of the episodes this season of star girl and that was really well done you didn't know what was gonna happen and the thing is when you actually look at it not a lot really happened this season like when you look at things that actually occurred it was all about the tension but it's also super watchable because you're watching the characters also deal with that tension. So it's very much a character study, very much the interaction of the characters, but not a lot of stuff really happens. And so it's kind of interesting that they made 13 episodes of tension, like really work, you know, it's, it's like not, you know, you didn't have to have like big super battles and stuff. Like we got one at the end, but you know, that was, that was just kind of like the, you know, the, the denouement, you know, that was the ending, you know? Um, so that was, that was fine for that. But yeah, it was, it, I was pretty amazed by this season. I thought it was really good. Um, uh, that being said, I think I would have liked more of like actual like plot plot, but that's fine because it looks like they're laying the seeds for that for season three. So I think I think we've got I think we've got that coming. Um, but it did seem weird because I thought for sure, like with Cameron, we were going to get like, you know, move. Cam and it's like last scene of the last episode. It's like, oh, we're finally going to move Cameron's thing along. Right. You know, and, and he's going to mm -hmm. find out about his dad and everything. And it's like, God, I thought that was going to happen. Like by like the first, like the first or second episode of the season, you guys like put it all the way at the end. So, um, but I get that would have been like one more thing to juggle with everything else. So they, I kind of get why they separated that out. Um, 
but uh but yeah and i mean I, to be fair we should also acknowledge this was the covid season where That's they were true. just trying to crank a season out with absolutely like you know under covid restrictions and everything else and they might not have exactly done everything they wanted to do but they were also trying to do whatever they could with whatever restrictions and we'll never know how much they were affected by that how much that informed their decisions um but uh so yeah a quieter more suspenseful kind of season kind of makes sense under the idea of covid also um but uh but yeah so um let's talk about our new characters this season also because we got several um so let's start with our uh other justice league recruit type characters with um jade and jakeem uh and um let's start with you on that one beth what do you think about sort of the the new younger characters that got added well, I think my impression of Jade might be a little bit skewed by the "Hey, kids, don't vape" intersection. <laughs> okay, so for people who don't know, if you were watching it on the actual CW network and not like after the fact on an app or whatever, you got the commercials. They would do yeah. these really dumb like PSA like, things, what did you do? and they would show like the scene with the explosion in that first episode with Jade, and then be like, "Yeah, there's some sort of like don't vape like message that went along yeah. with it," and it was a really bad like very tenuous connection between that scene and that message and it just made us laugh i mean it wasn't i don't it know was... what's worse that one or the one from the flash last year oh what about the one from uh... black lightning oh god yes when it was like because because lightning turned into all those little like glowing <laughs> dots in the sky and then they tried to turn that into oh. a don't vape message i'm sorry <laughs> I, re- I derailed the conversation with that um yeah, I was really anxious to know what was going to happen with her because she was there for what one or two episodes. She was one episode, and then and there's then like a big gap, right? <laughs> like, what happened to Green Lantern's daughter? What was the point of introducing her? And then the last what three or four episodes, she was back. yeah. But it was it was really jarring, and I wish that there had been more of her to explore. No, I mean we'll probably get that next season. I'll, I think. I mean, I I definitely think because I think the whole brother thing is gonna blow up next season. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's why they're kind of laying the seeds there Creepy with that. Doctor, so Red Skull Man, right? <laughs> Played by Keith David. Whoa. Played by Keith David. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I'm already interested in that character. Um, His name is Mr. Bones, and you will treat him with the respect that he deserves. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm not being sarcastic. That's legitimately the character's name, Mr. Bones. No, no, I I knew that. I knew that. Um, But yes. Um, But whenever whenever you hear that very deep Keith David voice, you know, (laughs) it's going to have to be a very good role to get a man of that caliber to play it. Um, But yeah, so any thoughts on Jakeem, Beth? I had flashbacks to Oh My Goddess the whole time. (laughs) which i know is a real niche Mm. reference in this podcast but goodness gracious it was hysterical Mm. um (sighs) i don't know i I get frustrated with characters like that where where it's like you get to really word your wish wisely or whatever Mm. it's kind of like in dd when you have a cruel dm (laughs) (laughs) granting the wish spells and whatever but it was really weird that's all I can really say about it is he was super, super weird. You're talking about the actual genie, though, not, yeah. not the kid. Jakeem, Jakeem yeah. is the kid. Jakeem is the oh, kid. Oh, shoot. Okay. 
<laughs> you can just <laughs> erase you know everything that, that I is? said. <laughs> I do. Who is the voice actor? I do too. Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan. I, have, I don't know who that is. He's a comedian. Uh, he's uh, mostly well known as a stand-up comedian, but he's oh, also no. like oh, huge in like he's done a whole bunch of like uh, comedy movies. Like he's a comedian, so okay. uh, yeah. That's All right, was people, never gonna people know him. <laughs> okay, well, people do know him. Let's retract and, and go to like the kid because I'm an idiot and don't know names very well. Um, I got very little impression from him at all. He was so understated of a character that I obviously I remember the big pink genie and not <laughs> the kid himself. So well, it, yeah, it, 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 it just seemed like an odd choice that they introduced two new characters and didn't do a lot with them. But again, I think that might be a COVID thing mm. um, that they were trying to keep them separate for like long periods or whatever. It might have been like a quarantine thing. I don't know. But yeah, it did seem kind of weird. And, and, and Jakeem especially seemed to have been very shortchanged this season because we didn't get a lot with him. Um, but yes, yes. So the the is the genie just called the thunderbolt or what is what is the yep. genie? Yeah, the thunderbolt. No, so, the genie's called the thunderbolt. Yeah, he's actually from the same. He's from the same uh, homeworld that Mister McPickleick is from. Oh, okay. Of course he is. Yep. Okay, so fifth dimensional being. Yep. Um. So okay. Well, I mean that actually at least gives a little context for what that actually is. Why is he in a pen? Superman uh, he, tricked him. Oh, wow, what was he originally in? Come on, brain. No, because the the pen, um, he gets transferred to the pen. There's a very specific. My brain is freezing on this completely, but like it's an old like it's a throwback story. How they explain how he got into the pen in the first place. Mm. It involved a it involved a signature, um, a. Uh, autograph on something and that's how he gets into the pen but i can't remember the uh, i can't reverse it in my head because it's it's directly it's directly tied into johnny and what happens with johnny and uh and um i'll i i'm blanking on it completely because i do get into it in a in a very specific story like i have i have a legitimate person personal um personal connection to uh jakeem it's funny because mm. uh I don't know if you want Jessica to go first because I don't want to like undercut you. I don't want to undercut Beth completely. <laughs> um. So so yeah, Beth. Anything else to say? No, I'm just gonna sit over here and in my shame because I feel like I'm, I've embarrassed myself. So okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> All right. So Jess, yeah, what do you think about our new characters? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It kind of felt like they were all a little bit shortchanged. I think um, it was to me like kind of weird to start by giving Mike the Thunderbolt which is what everybody expected and then to take it away from him because we're all like well we expected him to give it to Mike but it doesn't tie it's not comics accurate so it's like are they going to like rewrite this are they going to like somehow give it a nickname but then you got to remember that they had already introduced Jakeem at least by name as like the paper route friend so I was like okay, so how, how is this going to go? Cause like it starts with Mike and then it's got to kind of like work its way. So that storyline was a little odd, but we don't even really get to know Jakeem until the end. Um, I mean, I think he's got like potential. Um, I think he needs some training <laughs> on like how to use the Thunderbolt a little bit better, but I hope it doesn't involve like what they had to do in the beginning where it, they literally whiteboarded a 
diatribe of a wish. Like I kind of. Oh, I loved that though. Cause it's like, that's what nobody ever does. Right. Like you have like <laughs> something that grants wishes, but is really like literal. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, figure out the exact way to phrase it. So there's no way there can be any possible meaning other than the meaning you want, you know? And I was like, I just thought that was great. I laughed so hard when I saw that. I mean, I did too. Like it was a good bit, but at the same time, like it's not super practical if you need to use him in the heat of battle because you don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not a battle. Well, but thing, the thing so. is, yeah. I mean, if you allow like the characters to have a genie that can grant wishes and allow it work perfectly, then yeah. you they're too overpowered so i mean i kind of get That's why true. yeah they they want it to be something where like the effects can be kind of random also so that they aren't overpowered so i i get that yeah. And that's a good point. I think that's like one of the better counterpoints that I've, I've heard to that. argument. <laughs> um, I mean, as far as Jade goes, I liked her. I really liked the actress. I thought it was a really cool storyline, but it was, it felt so weird because we get her in the first episode and then she disappears for mm-hmm. like half the season or more. Maybe she and was, so, but, but I love that the kitchen right. was like destroyed. Like, and every yes. time they show the kitchen, it's like, it's damaged. It's got like this, like the scoring from like, you know, the heat and everything all over. Yeah. And like even when Sportsmaster and Tigers come in, it's like they're like they're like embarrassed by the fact that they have to see their kitchen like that because like, you can see them just like looking at it, like judging them. And it's just like <laughs> so and it was a good touch. I liked yeah. the continuity of that throughout the whole season because I, I was half expecting it to just like go back, but I like that no. they kept kept it in there. But yeah, so I'm excited to see where they go with um, Mr. Bones and the Helix Institute, the Helix Institute, I think, mm. uh, for next season. Because I'm hoping that means we just get more of her backstory. I thought it was interesting, though, because of the design. Because we talked last time about how the design aesthetic on this show, as far as like time period, is all over the place. Yeah. And that was like, looked like a very 1940s, like almost German, which is why Beth's comment about the Red Skull is kind of like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> appropriate. Yeah. It's like, it feels like it's like, like a 1940s like german like 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 institute or something and it's just kind of funny like that that's just there because let's be real if someone didn't know the difference between dc and marvel and they they were familiar with red skull and then saw this guy on screen they're like what's the red skull doing here they're they would have that reaction <laughs> they should have they should have just straight up bit and gone fully comics accurate and had him be a flat out a skull like mm. like a living skeleton like I don't get yeah. why they didn't just go full on with the with the with a full on you know skeletal head. I, I don't I don't get why they didn't do that. If their goal was to have people recoil in horror from seeing on the screen, they definitely succeeded because I had an actual stomach ache after seeing that. <laughs> it it was such a visceral reaction seeing this guy. That's, well, so is that like the one thing in, that upset right? you, Eric? It's just like translucent. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's episode ten. Okay. That that should give you the hint as to what it is. It's ep- it's episode ten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, that's just um, a like a, that's just a design decision thing. I mean, it's not a big deal that he's a you know that he doesn't look comics accurate, right? No, it kind um, of looks more like Phantom of the Opera, honestly, like mm, book accurate Phantom of the Opera. It kind of makes sense if he's going to be the big bad of season three, or like the doing the machinations of season three, why they want to introduce the D, him as the new head of the DEO, which is where he basically is inside of the uh, inside of the comics in present day is hmm. Mr. Bones is 
basically the head of the DEO instead of a manager. So it kind of makes sense that they're not doing that here. Hmm. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so what do you think about Jade and, uh, and Jakeem and how they were depicted in this? Oh, I, I love, I love Jade. I think she was cast fantastically. I think her actress is, is great. And I'm really excited to, to see more of her in season three. And I'm very excited for them to introduce us to Todd slash obsidian that's that's who that's who her brother is um i'm really excited i i love these ties in from the both the justice society and infinity inc because they're referencing like so much and throwing so much in which makes sense because infinity inc's members are a majority of jsa kids so makes sense that they're using using them like they are but i'm really excited to see when they pull him in in season three but mm-hmm. i think jade was fantastic the only bummer is obviously having her actors only show up in a total of four episodes mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of a bummer but um so when it comes to jakeem i am a little let down because it's obviously kind of rushed it and dro- dropped the ball to a certain extent and i'm sure that had to do with covid and uh covid and shooting times and when they had had the actors and could use the actors when they could Mm -hmm. but jakeem is a major player in the modern jsa uh volume five of justice society uh the modern justice society which james robinson was a part of was called stealing thunder and that arc has um has johnny being given the thunderbolt back in his pen form uh from jakeem because jakeem doesn't think he's worthy and it's like oh uh he's you know he's back i can i can give it to him he knows how to handle the thunderbolt better than i did but it turns out that that wasn't actually johnny and that the inside of johnny's body yes it's that dark was the ultra humanite and the ultra humanite now had the thunderbolt and pretty much made uh the dcu into his own dark and twisted version of the of the dcu and you know you had the justice society which was made up of like icicle jr and uh our man the rick version of our man uh um jakeem and a couple others as the resistance kind of trying to return the return the world to how it was so like i said i have that that was that was my um that was my reintroduction into the DC universe back in like 2000, 2003, 2004. And that's how I jumped back into uh, the modern comic side with like Green Lantern Rebirth and a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. So that was the time I jumped back into the DC universe as, as I'm now a heavy reader back again, now that I'm reading weekly. But that was, that was one of those stories that introduced me to Jakeem, it introduced me to Rick, it introduced me to Icicle Jr., who I think who I think is great. I'm really excited if we get to see him as that version instead of a straight up evil character. Though I think that was one of the more interesting uh, interesting scenes throughout the whole season is when we see him in Mike's Nightmare. I thought that was really well done. Mm. But no, uh, like like we were saying, is obviously I just gave all that backstory to Jakeem. And all we've really seen of Jakeem is his sister treats him like garbage. He's a typical kid who has to do chores and he's Mike's best friend. 
That's mm. that's basically all we know of this Jakeem so far. So hopefully in season three we'll get some pretty pretty fun uh, spotlights on them, especially if they get the chance to use you know like Gentleman Ghost or or Ultra Humanite or you know like some of those more obscure ISA uh, characters. I'll be really interested if they they do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty happy with Jade. I was kind of intrigued by what they were doing with her. Now, now tell me, uh, Eric, like, does she actually need the Green Lantern ring in in the no. comics? Because yeah, I didn't think she did. She she is she is her own power battery. That's what I thought because Alan Scott yeah. coexists with Jade in the comics, and you know he has his ring and she has her own power, right? Yeah, that's what I thought because I mean, uh, one of, I mean yeah. basically one of the reasons jade is jade at least in the comics uh code name wise and everything is because she's literally green mm-hmm. like she's she's very similar to um to uh fire mm. from but, but uh, no from no the, I've, I've seen from... pictures of jade from the comics oh, and okay. yeah i know yeah okay, yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> yeah um... well no because i know like i know like that era of dc you're kind of limited on that's why like i was trying to give more perspective yeah there. but remember i read green lantern rebirth so you know i, know you I saw all of I know you and jade was in that so i i yeah, saw she her was. <laughs> i love her costume though the the one piece the white and mm-hmm. the, the white and the black i love that it's such a such an iconic yet simple costume mm-hmm. of it in her, her hair <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I, I thought that I, I like, and like I say, it did a good job of intriguing me about who this character is and learning more about her. And then it was like, you get none of that <laughs> for like so that seven was... or eight episodes. And I was like, Beth and I kept going, like, are we ever going to return? Like, like, what was that? Like, we get her for an episode and then she's gone. And yeah. so, no, Jake, well, that like, was, that right. was the weirder thing, too, is like, we get to see the, we see the ring, obviously, in the first mm. episode. But when the, uh, when the, when, when it explodes, it looks like, looks like um it's her using the powers you know what i mean like mm. and then at the end of the season it's like oh she's wearing the ring again <laughs> yeah. yeah it was like confusing mm. <laughs> think, didn't they say she was just using it to kind of help her concentrate and help her like focus it's yeah not, i mean she doesn't actually like need it because she has the power but okay yeah she's basically her own power battery yeah. is basically the best way to describe it even though her and her father are much not part of the green lantern core mm. but you know different different what am i looking for not different powers but different um yeah different i read history? i don't know yeah i read the convoluted thing on wikipedia on how they tried to like attach alan scott retroactively to the green lantern core by saying like it had been a ring of a green lantern that somehow it got changed and then he got it and so it was originally a green lantern ring but now it wasn't anymore but he still got the power like a green lantern so he doesn't have to say the the darkest day brightest night thing like other green Lan- it was convoluted and i i didn't i didn't yeah, it retain was. it <laughs> very well but like yeah they did try to because obviously his character was created before they ever came up with a green lantern core idea and so then when they were bringing back all the the golden age characters they you know had to sort of recreate or or explain his origin in a way that you know made sense with all the stuff yeah (laughs) well i'm sure if i was like hardcore dc reader i'd probably have it like down a lot better but anyway if you are one of those people please feel free to drop us an email (laughs) beth Uh, Beth, it it could be far worse there could be a scene where someone throws wood at you <laughs> no cannot my power doesn't work against wood 
Although I don't know, is that worse or is the weakness against the color yellow worse? I mean, neither of those is great. <laughs> they're both they're both full on golden age. We, we can't we can't lie there for silver age. Well, silver age for the <laughs> yellow, but yeah, yeah, yes. The Green Lantern ring can do anything except against the color yellow. So all you need is like a yield sign, and you can defeat a Green Lantern. <laughs> but um. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like like everybody's been saying, Jakeem I felt was a little shortchanged. Like he doesn't really have a whole lot of development, and it almost. I mean, I kind of have think with. I mean, I get that the Thunderbolt was kind of important at the very very end, but with how little the Thunderbolt mattered this season, I almost feel like they if they were going to give Jakeem that little to do, like they they could have almost held it back for him back for the next season, um, you know. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they could have come up with another thing at the very end. Um, I was but... going to say, but they need him for that all-important scene at the very, very end. <laughs> right. So, knocking, yeah. but Knocking yeah. Uh, Star out. Yeah, totally needed. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah i i was i was a little annoyed by the thunderbolt itself i didn't really care that much for it um it's almost like trying to yeah, be but... like the robin williams genie but like failing like utterly um and but so having that extra context now probably helps right that he's from the fifth dimension well yeah i mean but see i i've never been a fan of mr mixie's spitlick except for the gilbert gottfried version like i love the gilbert gottfried version of mr mixie's spitlick and like how he just like annoyed superman so much and that was so great but like 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 what they did with him and supergirl like mr mixie's like it's like i never find him interesting like in most things so but yeah i tried to make him sexy (laughs) <laughs> yeah well yeah the first time yeah Ugh, um just no. uh, but anyway yeah um but uh uh so um uh let's talk about our big bad uh for this season also with eclipso so uh eric start us off on eclipso what do you what do you think of the depiction of eclipso because you have the most basis for a comparison to where he actually comes from so creepy so so creepy i mean he's he's picture comic perfect mm. uh even though they they do that weird thing where they and i get i get it and i get why they did it where they combine his and shades uh or uh, shades origin mm-hmm. to him but um i do get why they did that but no um it's it's perfect because like you need you need a supervillain that is the definition of a of a villain you don't go you don't go morally gray you don't go oh this this makes sense if you're gonna have a big bad make them completely unrepentant make it a make it a demon make it something that that has no redeemable qualities whatsoever just completely pull that rug away from uh from the fan base and be like oh wow like this is a real threat you know what i mean like well it's a nice counterpoint it's a nice counterpoint to season one where you find out that the villains are kind of gray and that they're trying to achieve good goals, but through awful means. And so I like that. It's like, all right, we did that already. Now let's go for a completely evil, irredeemable like creature thing. And so I think that, that worked really well. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it it's perfect down to the fact that they, they have that they that they have the the crystal i thought that was a really nice touch Mm. because i think one of the one of the best uses of um 
of that crystal was post uh post identity crisis uh g uh i forget who who puts it in her hands pretty much but eclipso possesses uh the adam's wife gene loring after everything that happens in identity so that is like a really well-known framing point for me wasn't she dead in identity isn't that what happened is she no she's uh at the end of identity crisis she gets put into an asylum because she was responsible oh, who, for who was it uh, that Sue's died death. whose wife died uh Somebody's Sue wife. Dibney. Uh, Sue Dibney, thank Sue Dibney. you yep. yeah you're right yeah Jean, yep. yeah you're right Jean was the one who did it because she thought she was just gonna scare her and then like everything goes great that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. so so I guess the the best way I can describe um, the best way I can describe a comics eclipso is the fact that this is this is a this is an entity that can stand toe to toe with the specter and not lose a step like the specter, yeah they Phantom were like Stranger. they were like they were like he defeated the specter and Doctor Fate working together and I was like what the heck yep <laughs> like, yeah there's i didn't a, think, there's I didn't a think anything could defeat the specter that, first that of all hurts. but second of all with dr fate too what and the phantom in the comics and the phantom stranger mm. all three of them can't hold a toe like combined to eclipso they get like eclipso is the reason that that um obviously this is post rebirth but and this is sorry this is going a little inside baseball but this is why the specter becomes a more like the host gets ripped away so the specter becomes like this all-encompassing like not evil but like has no, no core to basically pull it away from going too far the specter mm. starts like going fully insane and goes after anybody that does anything whatsoever that could be deemed as bad or like not evil but like so there's a point where the specter is like fully insane and you got you got a whole team of uh supernatural superheroes that have to uh kind of put the specter back at bay it's it's mm. it, it's insane but you're jaywalking the reason Dead. that <laughs> <laughs> eclipso is the reason that happens like mm. that's how powerful eclipso is it's mm. it's terrifying that and the show handled that perfectly yeah my thing was the thing that made me laugh is it's like okay so they, they established in the show, you know, that like the Spectre defeated Dr. Fate. I mean, Eclipso defeated Dr. Fate and the Spectre. And it's like, let's go send Wildcat after him. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to punch him. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> what? You know, let's, it's like let's, the power levels are so <laughs> skewed. Let's send the dude that has nine lives. No. I'm, sure he'll, I'm sure one of those, one of those nine lives will be able to save him. <laughs> just i was like oh my god yeah so yeah anyway yeah i mean again because i know a little bit about comics uh you know dc comics that 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 one line i was like you know that's crazy anyway yep yeah but uh yeah i mean um so jess what did you think about eclipso i mean i liked eclipso i thought the villain like him as a villain was great i thought mm. the kid playing eclipso really knocked it out of the park and I, I didn't per se have a problem like with the adult version of Eclipso, but we got a lot of feedback like to our podcast and I, I was just kind of like listening. I wasn't actually like giving my thoughts this year, but so many people hated the look of him and did not like like the portrayal of the adult Eclipso. And I mean, it, it didn't really bother 
me at all. I didn't think it was that bad. Some people are like, oh, it's so awful. It's so cheesy. Like it doesn't look well, whatever. Well, he looks like he looks like an elf, but like dark, that's, right? Like he yeah, looks like like sort of like say. the traditional sort of Keebler elfish sort of look, but like it, but like natty clothes and purple skin. And it's like to me it looked yeah. kind of silly. I like I I I gotta I gotta I can't lie. The kid was super creepy and the kid was really effective. I, I thought actually Eclipso, for as much as he was supposed to be this freakish thing, the actual depiction of him was more laughable than scary. I mean, that's that's just me. He but kind of I looked like the Green Goblin just a little bit. Mm, I can sort of see that. Yeah, yeah, I can sort of see that. Um, but but yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't seem scary at all, like, or intimidating or threatening. It just seemed kind of goofy looking. But so. as soon as you put that kid on the screen, you know. Well, and I think that's why, I think that's why they spent so much time with the, that's why they spent so much time with the kid and with the manipulating illusions of, you know, Beth's watching right. her parents blame her for their divorce. You know, Mike, got like you know uh cameron blaming him for his dad's death like you've got all these different like things like that are scary or traumatizing or upsetting that i think were far more effective than the actual actor wearing the eclipso costume the you know like again i i just i did not find that intimidating or scary or anything yeah I mean, I don't know that I found it scary, but I didn't, I mean, we got a lot of people just saying that it was just like straight up bad. And I was like, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was like the most horrifying thing I've ever seen, but <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. It worked for me. So mm. it was, it wasn't so bad, but yeah, like overall, like the concept of Eclipso, I thought was really great. And I, I just loved that we had like something completely evil, like the embodiment of evil, like true evil. I thought that was a really fun concept to play with especially with our younger team of heroes who are struggling with a lot of darker things. Um, I mean, I think Courtney was really the only one that was kind of like holding out because she, but then, you know, she kind of ends up struggling towards the end with like some of her, you know, some of the things that she's, she's hated. And so like, they kind of tried to play on that emotion, I think, but like, I mean, the other characters like Yolanda, Rick, I mean, Beth, to a certain extent, I guess they all had some like legitimately darker things like kind of going on in their life that were like truly affecting them. So, yeah, I, I feel like because they tried to get like Courtney with the uh, mom didn't really want to want her kind of thing. Like it was too much of a struggle being a single parent like thing. And it's like, but you never really feel like Courtney like wavers to it and even when they bring out the anger it's the anger at what's been done to her friends is the thing that makes her angry it's not like anything intrinsic so it's like courtney is almost coming off as this totally perfect pure of heart character almost and so in yeah. some ways i think it's a little harmful to like not give her anything but i kind of get that they want to have like the you know she's she's still better in some ways than some of the other characters they've tried to have be like completely hopeful like supergirl which you know is a show that i did watch all the way through but i found the writing sometimes somewhat tedious on it whereas with star girl i think the writing is a lot better with trying to depict that kind of like eternally hopeful and optimistic kind of character so um you know it's a mixed bag you know yeah. um but uh beth what about eclipso for you what do you think about eclipso god that kid <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone's pretty pretty much covered it, but oh my gosh, that kid was a gem for them to find. 
I, I, I just, I really want to know how they found him. Was there some kind of casting call? Is he a kid of like the producers or something? That was just a miraculous casting. Yeah. If I His saw him at Milo work, Stein. I would probably scream and hide in the back room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the tradition of like the best things like the Twilight Zone and stuff like that, when you can find the creepy kid, like, you know, like, you know, it doesn't take that. I mean, it doesn't take, um, I don't want to say it doesn't take that much because obviously the kid, you know, has to be good at what he does. But I mean, but it's like the kid doesn't have to do a lot physically, you know, like and whatever. Like you just need right. to find someone who can project that right you know, like, like just sort of like attitude, that thing of the kid who has no fear, who has, you know, whose delights in the torture and torment of others. Like when you can get that across that sort of personality, it doesn't matter what the context is. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what the kid really is or whatever your show or movie or whatever is trying to depict. The kid just comes off as creepy, you know? And it's like, that kid got that. He got that vibe like down to a T and that was really good. It kind of reminded me of that that meme of the little girl who's looking at the camera with that, that devious smirk and in the mm. background the house is burning down i wonder if the kid like stared at that meme to get into character or if he just i would hate if that was my kid honestly i would be freaked out all the time <laughs> yeah I, I really like this idea of the character and, and and i don't think they made enough of it after the very beginning but like the idea that eclipso has to make you like succumb to your darker feelings to then devour you you know, and it's like they did a little bit of that in the beginning and then it was mostly just his manipulations were just to like make them like just stop doing any like make them sad so that they were so sad or depressed or in such a bad place that they weren't going to help, you know, um, but but I, I liked that idea and I wanted to see more of that of him just going around town just like making people do awful things and then like devouring them and I thought that would have been like a, a creepy thing for them to like keep going in the background but um, but it's still it's, it's an effective thing it's a, like a, terrifying you know sort of like prospect of just twisting people just a little bit um and uh and and yeah i mean like i i again it, it's a different kind of thing than what they were trying to do last season i usually do prefer more of the sort of moral gray or sort of like the characters that do like sort of fall into the uh, but i'm trying to achieve this thing which is good and and but you know i'm just totally like don't care about the collateral damage or whatever you know so i find that more fascinating you know from that sort of standpoint but this was done about as well as you can do like this the pure evil kind of character and i think they did a really good job with it and was written really well so i definitely appreciated it um and thought that they did a really good job and it's good to have variety in your storytelling too so was, was eclipso also portrayed as a child in the comics eric uh not really i think it's i think it's really a really wise choice of the show to mm. kind of play with that because you you do get the the there's so many horror homages that they kind of play with and it's really great to kind of see that uh that um damien or the girls from the girls from um the shining like that mm. like seeing them playing you know omen or the shining to kind of see them playing with the the evil kid mm -hmm. to a certain extent because if you find the right kid it's gonna work and yeah. it mm -hmm. absolutely worked here the second the second you see the first reveal of the kid yeah i think back to like the old twilight zone with bill mummy as like the kid that sends people out to the cornfield and you know all that kind of stuff again it's the creepy kid you know like you you get the right kid for that and you just like it's everybody's like Ugh. 
I think even psycho psychologically with, 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 with us as people is that you think of children as being these innocent little creatures. Mm. Right. And when they turn out to be these vicious, pure evil things, it's, it's unsettling and rightfully so. And I think that's why that works so well, just as a trope in general. No. It plays yeah. on our psychology. And I mean, even, even something like a Malachi and children of the corn. Yeah. The kid yep. was chewing up scenery, like no one's business, but it worked. I mean, that kid, that kid was great. <laughs> Yeah, Is so an Oscar for CW shows. Because <laughs> <laughs> he needs to decorate well, no, his mantle like 12 years old. It's, or even, it's even funnier because if you look up, you look up some of the back, back, uh, I almost said backstage behind the scenes stuff from, uh, well, while they were going throughout the season, mm -hmm. that that kid seems like a legitimately like normal, well, yeah, well mannered, like decent kid and it's it's so funny to see him just hanging out with uh with the other actors like breck breck would uh uh would be posting stuff from uh from especially the back half of the season on all their social media stuff and you just seen him <laughs> hang out with uh with uh with her and uh the kid that plays rick just the three of them hanging out mm -hmm. and it's just like completely different kid than you know seeing this evil monster throughout the show it's it's really funny to see the dichotomy of that yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah it's 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 like i say they did a great job with and i think it was a smart move also because of just i think the kid's more effective than the actual eclipso look and again it's because they went for something that i think looked pretty comics accurate and just like it just looks kind of silly in the real world you know um looks a little campy um and so i don't think it was quite as scary um but uh but yeah so let's talk about um our other villains in this because i think i think more so even than our heroes we got some very interesting stuff out of our villains and so like shade um and um we'll put them in the villain category that's sad. I thank mean, you antagonists <laughs> antagonists okay um sir he he is chaotic you okay. can't you can't you can't define him antagonist. other than chaotic <laughs> he is not a protagonist other. he is an antagonist other. <laughs> That's right. other check <laughs> um but you know also uh um, um crap uh sportsmaster and tigress's kid and um artemis. yeah artemis and shiv um so what do we think about like what they've been doing well and even with sportsmaster and tigress as well you know what do we think about what they're doing because i mean a lot of this season almost seemed like old Grundy also a lot of the season sort of seemed like taking the characters who were like sort of the villains last season and sort of spinning them a little bit. Right. And so I'm just kind of curious about uh, people's thoughts on that. So um, let's start with you on this one, Beth. Why'd you have to start with me? <laughs> <laughs> give everybody a chance to start no um, but i struggle um as, as soon as we saw ship go into the floor with with the conf confrontation with eclipso we we realized mm -hmm. pretty quickly you and i that she's not dead mm -hmm. but i really wish yeah it was crazy how the internet like blew up with people thinking she was dead and i was like did you did you not see she went through like a portally kind of thing and like people were just like oh my god they killed her off how could they have killed her off and i was like like do you do you really think she's dead because i don't you know yeah. it's like... i i really I, they wrote they want to redeem her character but i don't want them to <laughs> i really I don't... don't want that 
I don't think well, they truly in fairness, are. They never said they're going to redeem her. She just wants, she just wants to see if she can be a little different. She never said she was going to be straight well, up. But that's good. the slippery slope to redemption. So I don't know. <laughs> <think it's called laughs> it's a so. CW show. They do this. Uh, no, I actually, I actually think that maybe this might all be just her playing like I hope uh, maybe so. she has no intentions of this so yeah yeah because I, I enjoy her as being that manipulative you know school age you know a peer level villain and I think, I think she has way. no place yeah the mean girl that. she's the mean girl exactly yeah, yeah. I mean no. her, her code name is Shiv for crying out loud are you, <laughs> yeah. sure? Are you sure you can really trust that right yeah. <laughs> all right all right but but Beth Beth you have to talk about the sports master family i love them so much (laughs) (laughs) and just the idea that like the the parents can just totally break out of prison whenever they want to because their daughter needs them (laughs) that's like super parent vibes i love it i dig it but (laughs) i just just love it's like they, they would have no compunction against killing anyone or doing any horrible thing but it's like you let your kids eat potato chips, you know, it's like, it's like the judgment on like the parenting and like when they're in the house and she sees like the, like the burn marks and everything. And it's just like, they're so, they're so like super duper ratcheted up, you know, <laughs> I'm like, they're, they're just going to be like the best parents that make sure their kid only eats like, and drinks like the most healthy stuff and everything. And it's just like that whole thing. But it's like, but they're also like, like evil people. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, I just think that's hilarious. The judgment they give about the potato chips. You can no. feel that second degree burn. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's so good. Do, do you want, do you want your mind really blown? Guess who's together in the comics? Do I want to know? Uh, uh, Rick, Rick and Artemis. No. I can oh. buy it. They're an actual couple. Yeah. I can oh. buy it. Okay. They're trying to do like uh, an Artemis and um, Roy Harper thing in Young Justice, which was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just a little. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, Beth. Moving right on. Uh, so, what about the shade? I adore the shade, and I, I adore him because he's not like good. He's not bad. He's right in the middle. He has his own agenda and way of doing things. But I really got the the creeps when he keeps hitting on Courtney's mom, and I keep thinking like, of all the times this woman is hit on by the bad guy air quotes bad guy but like is she the only woman in town at this that's point? not what it was that's why they gave us I the know. context it seems that way in the beginning but that's not what it was it just gives me the you know <laughs> i mean i mean i guess it's not mutually exclusive that she reminds him of his sister but that just makes it like a whole nother level of weird if you go there yeah. so just don't okay just don't okay. backtrack okay <laughs> <laughs> but the way he plays the character is amazing. I just no. he he is that person to me. If he was any other role, I'd be like, oh, the shades in, in this movie. What is he doing? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> He's got a nice comforting voice. I'm all about those voices. <laughs> all right. Uh so Eric, um, what about you? What do you think of the the various uh antagonist characters in the season other than Eclipso? Well, I love I love Sportsmaster and uh, Tigress. I think they are absolutely fantastic. And I kind of 
kind of really love Sportsmaster and uh, Pat's relationship. And <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm really excited in season three to see where that goes. But mm. I mean, it's that might have been my favorite episode of the uh, season is when they break out of jail to make sure that their daughter is okay. Mm-hmm. Such a great way to handle them. And, you know, even Pat, Pat begrudgingly having to agree, but even he was kind of going, okay, maybe, you know, I don't have to worry about, <laughs> about this going sideways. <laughs> and it's, it was really fun episode to kind of see them, kind of see them involved the way they were mm-hmm. and i really like that kind of like reverse flipping the trope on its head kind of kind of and uh i mean they were obviously fantastic and i mean it was it's great to see to see some more personality out of shiv i thought that that was really well done and and i mean cindy's got a tortured backstory and it's kind of great to see cindy's tortured backstory and kind of not necessarily wanting to do the right thing but she you know what enough is enough i realize i messed up here i'm going to help fix my mistake but that's not going to magically change me as a human human being i thought that was that was really cool to kind of kind of see her fighting her own demons head on and kind of kind of seeing the the flip side of courtney so to speak is is cindy so kind of seeing her go against type was was really fun and i mean uh who, who's this other person? The the shade. I I have no idea what you're talking about. If if I had superpowers right now, I'd go I'd go like this, and you would see all six Starman omnibuses shelf behind me. To <laughs> to say that he is the most comics accurate portrayal of a comic book character to ever be put on the screen would be going lightly. He he while James Robinson did not create the character. That character is James Robinson's baby, and and you can tell by the way that they made sure he was perfectly cast. That I'm pretty sure James Robinson was writing at least eighty percent of his dialogue. The way the lines are delivered, the way his powers are used. This this is straight up. They they were flat out just missing a scene where he's hanging out with famous uh famous authors uh. Uh, back in the early 1900s because that's what he was doing at one point when you see him in the flashbacks in the comics is he's hanging out with a uh, Oscar Wilde and uh, and um and um oh come on brain work <laughs> uh tale of two cities why can't i think uh, of Charles uh, Dickens yeah he's hanging out with Dickens and Oscar Wilde on on the on a basically daily basis at one point like that's that's Richard Swift in a nutshell is he's this fantastic character that in the comics, uh, as well as the show, is just like I said, he's chaotic because he's not chaotic good, he's not chaotic evil. He he has a heart, he has a soul. He's still at the end of the day going, This is messed up. I'm going to make sure this thing can never hurt anybody ever again. And like I said, issue issue 10 is kind of where I want to punch Jeff Johns, but like the shade didn't straight he told them how a way to defeat defeat eclipso he did not say that was the right thing to do he did not say it was the wrong thing to do he just goes this is the way i know to defeat eclipso so he's not advocating for murder he's just going this is how this is how i know how to defeat this character 
Okay. Like that that's fascinating to me because that's another thing where it's like he's not trying to corrupt anybody. He's just flat out going, This is what I know. Here's the information. You will do with it what you will. Like that's that's a great character, in my opinion, right there. Yeah, I, I'm just really confused about the timeline of things because the ISA, first of all, had the Eclipso Diamond. Why didn't they use it? But second of all, even if they weren't going to use it, why didn't the Shade just take it? Because it's not like any of them could have stopped him if he was just like, yeah, you guys shouldn't have this and he just wanted to take it. So I don't know. It seemed weird that he's just like, oh, the ISA is gone. Now I'm going to show up and try to get this thing. And it was like, if you knew they had it, why didn't you just take it? while they had it nobody was gonna stop you um kind of you know like i don't know like i felt like that was probably the thing that with the weakest part of this season was just like why i think cindy already had her hands on it when he showed up like like it was one of those types of things where like because if you if you pay attention to you know going back to season one with his tease he shows up and sits in the um in their their headquarters room in the in the but we never see him going anywhere near the armory. We never see him, you know, we never see him doing any of that because I'm sure there are protections to be able to uh, being of the shades abilities from going near, you know, any anything super high powerful that, you know, the ISA wouldn't want him to get his hands on. I could be wrong on that because obviously they never explain it, but that's that's my thinking and my logic behind that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just seemed like it was weird that like he didn't just take it back in the day when he was with them before. It's like you know what this thing is. You know nobody should use it. Just take it. You know, like be like, well, nah, was, you guys can't be trusted with it. He flat out says in his own dialogue, he's like, technically, you know, he's like, I was not, I was not part of them. They were an ends to a means. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, he sure he's in that stupid photo in that stupid painting but mm-hmm. he himself is very much like no nah, i wasn't i wasn't with them <laughs> right but he <laughs> was, knew they had it i mean because that was the thing that's the whole reason he went to the city to look yeah because that was the whole reason he came there was to get it like once they were gone he was like oh now i can come get well, this you know and so well, that was the no, whole my, my my argument is i'm saying like did he in the sense that like it was a more recent fact that he found that out you know what i mean like they they could have had that thing in in hiding and he didn't know until until literally you know what whichever one of them was protecting protecting it you know like icicle probably had some sort of barrier to to make sure he wasn't able to find find it like one of those types of things i know i'm I'm making excuses here so (laughs) well didn't he find it he found it in like the xerix estate stuff so i think it was because it was listed like when you know oh they, yeah they died and so like they when that i guess there was i don't know if there was no will or whatever no like true division of assets so they had like a listing because it probably you know through all the legal stuff had to be like publicly disclosed and i thought that's how he said he learned that where the diamond was well i mean he says that to barbara but that's back when he's still pretending to be just a just a normal humble man just looking for something i i i I don't know i i very well dressed oh right i just assumed that that was just part of the cover story of yes i am here to buy this thing no because that's that's it's the original way he's introduced to jack in the comics because jack doesn't know he's the shade because Jack Knight is Starman at that point versus Courtney being Stargirl. But when he's introduced to Jack, he is a col- he is a collector. He's a guy who goes 
you know, like that's that's Swift's hobby is he got he goes around collecting stuff. So I think Jessica is on pointing out that when when everything had to be cataloged and put into public record, that was the shade's way of going, oh crap, this is out there now. I need to find this before anybody else gets their hands on it and becomes possessed. Like because he in the comics as much as much as here that part isn't a cover it's actually the truth he's a he's a collector of rare and odd things like it's very much part of the shades character when he's not being the shade but do you think he was part of the isa and kept aligned with them to make sure that eclipso stayed under wraps and in that black diamond then once he realized it was released through the xerix estate I don't know. That's a, that's my theory. Well, no, because he was still hoping he could get it. So he didn't know that anyone actually had hold of it yet. Because when he shows up, he's hoping that it's still there in the estate, like stuff, and that he can get his right. hands on it. He doesn't know it. Cindy has it. Right. He yeah. didn't know Cindy had it. He thought he could grab it, you know. So that's that's the thing. Yeah. I just assumed he found out or that he knew it was there already. And once he found out that Zarek was dead, he was like, now nah, I can go grab it um but yeah i guess i mean that's the thing i don't know that when people die their stuff is listed if they don't have a will like like you just go online and just find like oh this is all this stuff that somebody had i don't know i think if there's an estate sale they have to okay catalog everything that's there i'm not a lawyer but yeah i don't know how any of that works but oh well it wasn't clear it wasn't clear in the show That's true. And so to me, it seemed like I thought he had known all along that Zarek had it. And now that he was dead, he was like, oh, I'm going to come for this. But um, all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I the shade was awesome. Like, like so well acted. Like, and again, gray character. That's always going to intrigue me, you know, a lot more. Um, and and that's the thing. Like, like you clue in pretty early because he's like he never goes after anyone. Like, there are some, like, scenes where, like, Barbara seems creeped out and, you know, when he shows up unexpectedly or things like that. But there's never a point when he attacks anyone. And then they keep coming after him. And he's just like, you people don't know what you're doing. Like, like he's just always, like, put out by it more than anything. Like, you guys, why are you doing, like, no, no, come on. And even you are? Right. And even when, like, Beth is like, you killed, you know, Dr. Midnight. And he's just like, you don't know what you're talking about, you know? Like, and I'm like, oh, right. And that's what I was like, oh, he's not dead. And, then you know, it's kind of like. I still really love uh, when, when Charles, when uh, McKnighter is just like, but what was with the stuff in the theater? And he's like, come along, meet me outside. (laughs) He's like, I'm not explaining it. he's like i do love my theatrics i'm like i love you i love you so much (laughs) yeah but so very cool character very very interesting and i like the fact that they try to present him one way but then it turns out that he's different um you know and like 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 has been said like i really hope the cindy thing is either a misdirection or something because yeah i mean i do not want to see a redemption story there um artemis seems a lot more likely to be somebody who could be friendly you know to them over time and you know with her parents out it'll be interesting especially because 
they're not at all like their comic counterparts. They're nowhere near as vicious or or awful as their comic. So like because they've been presented the way they are, like they're weird, uh, but they're fun, you know. Like <laughs> and so um, scary kind of fun. Right. Yeah. They now live next door. Right. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how they work that in and make them more than just like you know a cheap joke. But I'm pretty sure with how good the writing's been that it's not going to to be there just for like oh this is the silly thing we have these wacky neighbors they killed the mailman ha 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 you know like something like that like i don't think it's gonna be like that um but um but yeah and then um crap i blanked who else would cindy artemis the icicle junior kid well yeah he did nothing he painted a mural i mean (laughs) Yeah. He did nothing this season. And then in one he, shot when he was sure literally finished, it wasn't yet. there anymore. That was weird. Yeah, it's like we're just paying this actor so that he doesn't go anywhere because we're going to use him more in season three. You know, I mean, that's that's what it felt like there. Oh, yeah, nobody mentioned Grundy. Like the sort of like nice like Rick relationship where he's feeding it's Grundy gone. KFC, you know, <laughs> and stuff and apples. I love Grundy. I love, I love every <laughs> incarnation of Grundy. It's just so amazing just i love him it's just like the little puppy you want to hug even though he'll like yeah. squish you in half a second by accident but, yeah 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 no grundy is awesome yeah i i like that i mean they're going for more of like the lovable dumb giant kind of grundy uh yeah. now and so it's like yeah he's he you know rick through his kind actions made a friend uh you know and so that was and of course that's the tragedy at the end is grundy gets a hole blown in him but as everyone knows grundy keeps coming back so i'm sure we'll see grundy again if not next season if there's more seasons at some point they will bring grundy back so um you know that's but but i totally and that ending scene i was like we have a Grundy, you know, the, the, the Avengers thing, we have a Hulk, I was like, we have a Grundy, and it's so like that scene where it's like, you know, I have an army, we have a Hulk, you know, it's like, it's like puny that, like, right, like, like, you know, like, you, you puny person with no hourglass, what can you do? We have a Grundy. Yeah, so I knew what that was setting up when they went there, so I was, I was happy with that. Um, but uh but yeah so yeah i mean we'll we'll see what they do i'm very intrigued by the new villains that they're introducing that we just saw little bits of at the hospital um mr bones and whatever that nurse whatever her name is um so uh so yeah we'll we'll see what happens there now um all right so to our main characters i mean we got uh you know all of our jsa members in this and mike had a little bit of a more prominent role i was kind of glad they at least dealt a little bit with the whole fact that as far as he knows now again we've talked about the fact with icicles powers is he really dead? Could he maybe come back? They kind of played with that with an Eclipso illusion, but it could actually happen too. But as far as Mike knows, he murdered a man, right? So it's like, they dealt with it a little bit. I still feel like it wasn't quite <laughs> as much as it should, you know, uh, affect somebody, but, you know, maybe he's just stone cold like that. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so what did people feel about, you know, this season? And um, we're going to get to that big revelation at the very, very end, at the end, but uh, just our, our JSA members that we've had, plus Mike and, you know, the family uh, kind of thing. So um, let's start with you on this one, Jess. Sure. I mean, 
I always kind of like our core group. What I thought was just so interesting to watch this season was the way that Eclipso was able to like divide them and sow the seeds of like dissent among the whole group. Like I just found it a super interesting kind of like character study, not only into each of our characters who we got a little bit more insight in, but also to like their dynamics and how like close knit they are and how they need to work together and how the team needs to be together like as a team. And so I just love that whole dynamic of him like trying to break them apart. And especially when you start seeing the scenes where you where you really know that it truly is like we figured out the gag. Like we know it's a clip. So every time like we know what's going on, it just was like you could like see it coming. So it was like but it was predictable, but like in a good way. You know what I mean? Like it just I really enjoyed all of that. Um kind of like globally but I mean it's hard to delve into like each of the characters because we have so many of them but I I'm going to shout out Yolanda's story um I thought they dealt with her in a big way like her grief and her struggles um kind of like trying to like come to terms with the fact that she murdered someone and that like she legitimately murdered someone in cold blood and so I mean she yes she didn't have a choice but I enjoyed that she was like and that sounds sadistic but you know what I mean like <laughs> I liked to see her struggle and that they dealt with it and it kind of like affected her character and we got to really see her kind of grow and I don't know that she necessarily comes to terms with it but enough that she can come back to the team as more of a whole person I liked that yeah see what was interesting to me is she seemed to be having those weird episodes before Eclipso even shows up I mean we know Cindy right. had the diamond but Cindy hadn't interacted with anybody Eclipso hadn't really been out and about doing anything so it makes me wonder again if that's trying to tell us something that you know brainwave is in her head or you know some sort of storyline like that where like and he's causing her pain or or something along those lines so i don't know it just seemed odd to me because it's like yeah later it's definitely an eclipse illusion when she full-on is seeing things but yeah. all those like weird headaches and stuff that she was having originally don't appear to be connected to eclipso at least they didn't make it clear that they were and so again I, i'm wondering if there's more going on than what we've seen so far yeah or maybe it's a manifestation of her guilt i don't know I well and that's the thing like yeah i mean maybe that's what but again it wasn't like explained very well if that's mm -hmm. all but it was you know like i mean i shouldn't say all because obviously like your guilt over killing somebody isn't like a minor thing but if it was as mundane as that i guess i should say or something that had to do with like the sort of superpowers you know fantasy elements you know um so yeah it's i mean i guess we'll see if if nothing comes of it in the next season that's probably their last chance to really because if they bring up something like season four or five, it would seem really like out of left field of, oh, yeah, this has been going on all the time. You know, like it would be a little bit too much, I think. Um, so, yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, um, Beth, what about you? What do you think of our, you know, sort of protagonists in this season? Protagonists. <laughs> um, I was actually going to talk about Yolanda, but I think I think uh, Jessica has actually uh, covered it very well. Mm. Um, so now I have to think. And that's hard. That's okay. Um, There's a character named Beth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we're watching this, this the episodes, and every time they say Beth, like, "Where's Beth? I'm right here." Hi. <laughs> I just wave from the couch and just, you know, ham it up. Um, I think I actually want to talk about Rick. Okay. Um, and just 
it it, it delves more into um i want to talk about pat and rick's uncle but that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that but no talk about so rick much. talk about rick <laughs> um yeah so the episode where he like snaps and has, and just goes completely rage fast on his uh not really dad um <laughs> gosh his uncle um yeah, his uncle. yeah. yeah. we got to see a, a whole lot into a whole lot more into his like his psyche and and the things he, he deals with at home like his his uncle is is abusive um oh we saw that last season though i mean that's not yeah new. but it shows more of that and yeah how he is deliberately trying to derail his dreams and just sabotage and make him fail in whatever way he can mm. and it's it's terrible um and so you know the clip so capitalizes on that and makes him beat him up now right now he thinks he's beating up grundy of course because he he thinks he saw a dead little girl but that whole illusion of him putting trust in someone and then it backfiring in his face. I mean, that's like a chronic issue apparently for him, like with his, his uncle. And then with Grundy, he, he thinks that Grundy's no different than his uncle. So that was an interesting parallel that I thought that they drew, they drew out with that. Mm. Um, and anytime you've got Grundy with someone who's like their, their overseer, I'm just going to love that dynamic anyway. So yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of hot girl. I am thinking of hot girl who is just like the best. <laughs> yeah okay um so yeah eric that's one of the best episodes of uh justice league slash justice league unlimited easily mm-hmm. but no um yeah you've seen all the other you know how this ends <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very obvious about um about rick's uh horrible horrible um uncle but then you look at yolanda's mom yeah super controlling another mm-hmm. form of abuse right there yeah mm-hmm. more mental it's it's yeah it's it's crazy because we see it over and over again i mean obviously mm-hmm. courtney thankfully has a healthy family except for <laughs> the fact that they were keeping major secrets from her but then you have you have the complete opposite of that and we finally get to see you know beth's family at the end of the season uh embracing everything and being those super supporting parents even though beth herself is like kit can we not can- <laughs> please guys <laughs> no and i mean her her story this season was fantastic because she was kind of that that voice onto her own who no one else it wasn't that people weren't believing her but it was like she kept having to repeat no he's alive he's out there he's he's trying to reach out he doesn't he doesn't know me and he doesn't know us but he's he's still out there and i mean when when the shade finally gets the clue that he's still out i mean he basically almost loses his his powers helping mcnider and courtney get out of where they're stuck in Mm. and and cindy obviously but it's it's because of beth that you know you even get that situation in the first place and it's it's really interesting to kind of see her step up and and kind of start believing in herself and just flat out being like no like yes obviously my parents are going through this terrible thing but i'm still a hero in my own right and i'm part of this team for a reason and you know the fact that she's able to trust herself and the fact that she's able to overcome what eclipse is throwing at her is just the strength in that character and it was it was really great to see i mean obviously rick um rick 
smashes his powers uh and i'm sure we'll get payoff in that in season three though though i guess it's if i could step back into that in a second it is really interesting to see them kind of i think we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about season one is uh the fact that you know it makes sense that they're not going with the uh the miracle uh explanation of our man's powers and the uh taking the pill and having having the super strength for an hour because that's a that's that's a whole can of worms that sounds like steroids (laughs) no it's gonna say that's a can of worms that you don't want to open in in the 2020s when they were showing circuitry and stuff in there i'm like wait a minute like the sand isn't what's important because i thought it was like magic sand or something because it's like he's just taking any garden variety sand and putting it in here but there's circuitry and i'm like what what circuitry is like giving you super strength for an hour? Like I thought it was like magic sand. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think the sand is magic because I think I think it's a mix of magic and technology. Okay, because the sand spilled out. I thought he was just getting generic sand and putting it in, like when he was rebuilding it, because it didn't. No, look no, because like he, got... he has the. It's it's still that yellow sand. Because I think I think we might hopefully see a flashback at one point that explains that Rick was working with Doctor. Dr. Fate, and that explains how the uh, hour mm. hourglass works, because it would be interesting to kind of see that played with. But I think it is a mix of uh, magic and technology. They're going, they're mixing, mixing the two. Then he's got a secret stash of more sand somewhere, because <laughs> that maybe was my question. I thought maybe like there was certain elements because I thought in his notebook when he had it written out like sand it was there in like little boxes almost like oh elements. right yeah i remember that yeah oh, yeah you remember it so i'm wondering An equation, yeah yeah so i thought maybe it was like a series of elements that when you put them together now i don't think any like sand i don't yeah there's no nitrogen, element that's, aside from that's nitrogen like, but right there's no d element like there's just no. a d yeah so like yeah <laughs> and i don't think there's well, anyway, we're not going to yeah. test my periodic table knowledge, right but, <laughs> but yeah, that that's kind of the vibe that I was going with is that it's almost like created and then working with the tech that somehow makes it work. I don't know. No. Because the sand spilled like all over in the dirt. So one of the nitpicks that got brought up on our podcast was just like, well, how did he get the sand back when he smashed it all into the dirt? but he's he's got bags of that sand at home stockpile oh okay. <laughs> so he's <laughs> i got superpowers <laughs> i'm terrible they do have fate's helmet right yeah like I think they still have fate's yeah helmet? we saw fate's yeah. helmet yeah it's the first the first episode depending season. on what's going on with the whole with the whole tv and in movie characters being ripped away from different things again we could see uh we could see a version of dr fate on the show maybe oh, it would be I, interesting because that might be how they explain the the hour man um the hour man powers in season three but we'll have to see obviously dc if you're listening and i hope you are but you're probably not if you're listening if you're gonna allow two versions of the flash one on tv and one in movies stop this ridiculousness of saying like certain characters are untouchable if you're using them in one place like it's dumb it's really really dumb you're already saying people are intelligent enough to realize that ezra miller is not the same person as grant gustin 
So don't worry about it with any of these characters. You can have multiple Superman. You can have multiple Flashes. You can have multiple whoever you want. So just let people work with the characters they want to work with. If there's a market there and an interest in it, nobody's going to get confused anymore. Like, like we passed that point. Like people are going to be like, but I don't get it. If they want to finally find Batman in, in the Arrowverse, let them find Batman. Nobody's going to be confused with the Robert Pattinson movies. Okay. Literally just, no one. Just, yeah. Just, <laughs> just do it. All right. Though I'm, I'm throwing this out there. We, we have a Wilson on the show. I'm not going to complain if you give us a James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, I'm going to talk, I want to talk about Pat because you guys have covered, you know, the other characters very well. And first of all, we have confirmation with newspaper articles that he is from way, way, way in the past. They need to give us the story for that. I want details. I want information. Um, But beyond that, you don't, you don't hour you really don't want zero hour <laughs> well i'm just saying they, they the show already changes things they can come up with a different explanation for the show but most but, importantly we want to know why he has an age and where can we buy that <laughs> well yes. i think it's gonna yes, if, it's, if it's like the comics it's gonna be time travel related so he hasn't like aged through that like, he hasn't gone through that time linearly it's he's okay skipped. well as long as we don't get time loops i'm okay with it right. I freaking hate time loops okay okay it's the worst okay but Pat is like the <laughs> ultimate dad and I love it. And, you know, like him punching Courtney's biological father was great. But the scene with him and Rick's uncle in this season in the hospital, that was amazing. And it's just so funny because like the way, again, it's that soul tension thing I was talking about before because it's like, he doesn't come in he's not yelling he's not being like you gotta do this or anything like that it was just kind of like super duper calm you know like you you know don't don't press charges on your nephew he's been going through a lot whatever and it's just like so you're a jerk right and then like when he's like go to hell or whatever he says it's just kind of like okay well just so you know I've kind of suppressed this part, but I'm actually not a very good person. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. He's, and he starts like closing all like the blinds in the hospital room. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and they don't show, they don't tell you what happened. But just like the idea that it's just like, I don't care that this man is like completely like immobile with like casts everywhere and shattered bones. Like, I'm going to rough you up and tell you like, let your nephew go. And I'm just like, oh my God. But, like, again, with how badly Rick's been abused, it's like, you kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, like, he's got to get away from this guy. And whatever Pat had to do to get him to agree, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, maybe maybe it was justified, you know? So, again, I, I really like that. I think it's really fascinating because of how Pat is shown to be so... I don't know, just like, just a regular, like, suburban dad almost who has a Mecca. <laughs> you know? Right. But, but otherwise, like, in all ways, like, just like a regular suburban dad. And then it's just like, oh man, you mess with anybody that he's close to. And it's just like, he's he... going to make you watch Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So that's what I said. Like, when he started closing the blinds, I was like, oh no, he's going to make him watch Supergirl. <laughs> I'm so sorry, torture. Supergirl people. I, I just, your show was the worst of the Arrowverse. Anyway. Um, 
good try though yeah um <laughs> wasn't the fault of any of the people acting in it but anyway definitely not. all right um all right um but yeah uh you know I, I i think that's great and the stuff with mike gets a little but again it's his son and he's kind of younger and everything and at least they're more they're handling it more maturely than any of the shows that actually take place in the real Arrowverse, you know earth prime whatever you want to call it do where mm-hmm. this would be like seasons of him telling mike that he can't do stuff and then this is kind of like all right you know what compromise you can help me like do the mechanical stuff, you know, like you can actually mm-hmm. help fix Stripe. You're just like not going into battle. I mean, again, we do see him do it in the, in the actual season finale, but it's not like that wasn't a planned thing or that wasn't like a thing that was like uh, some, you know, like the world's about to end. So you might as well do something kind of thing. So I think that that worked out. Okay. But like the idea is that Mike is there to help be a mechanic you know, and learn how to fix Stripe and not to be like, all right, I'm going to go into, you know, and fight and stuff. So I I think that that worked out really well. I feel like it was a very mature solution. And again, I really appreciate it because, you know, the drama over on all the shows on the Earth Prime Arrowverse can get a bit much. I mean, I guess Superman and Lois also handles things a little more maturely, but all the other shows on that you know it gets a bit much sometimes and so it's nice to have like oh let's actually try to like have a mature solution to like one of these conflicts okay we can do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like how they kind of finally brought him in yeah sense. yeah so it's so again it's one of the things i really like about this show is just like the characters seem to like handle things more realistically yeah, I was going to say like maturely. They're not always mature, but yeah, no, but, they're not but, always mature. <laughs> right. They're not always mature, but it's more realistic. Like when they're immature, it seems to make sense based on who the characters are. And it doesn't and last ages. for so long. Like, how long did Oliver have to tell? laurel that she couldn't fight and how long did barry have to tell wally that he couldn't be the like like you know gonna be like going out with him and doing stuff it's like forever don't tell iris but with my (laughs) yeah that was our joke in the early part of the flash is like anything that happens it's like but don't tell iris (laughs) (laughs) but um I just love that you're describing Pat as super dad because now I have like a mental trio of super dads, which is now Pat, Mandalorian, and Piccolo. And I'm just <laughs> Those are all good choices. Yeah. Those are Fan all artists good... out there. You're welcome. Make it happen. Thank you. <laughs> That's no, not no Joe choice. West in there, Beth. I do love Joe. I mean, he's great. He's A tier, but he's not S tier. <laughs> okay. No, I'll get. I'll get. Because you that season one, one don't tell Iris one. garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That, kinda, yeah. Like, that throws him out of S tier into A, so we'll leave it there. Don't tell Iris. <laughs> we were still doing that, like with like crossovers and stuff, like for a long time. It was like, but whatever you do, don't tell Iris. <laughs> All right. Um. All right. Uh. Yeah. So that you know, you know, like we said, like. Courtney, you know, as much as I like her and as much as I think that Breck is playing her really well, I feel like she gets the least development because she's almost like already like 
where they want her to be. So again, like in the last episode, they kind of play with the idea of maybe she's got a little repressed anger or whatever. But for the most part, though, Courtney is optimistic and, you know, hopeful and but not in a way that like sets your teeth on edge and great for that. I mean, great for Breck. I mean, she's obviously like because that's hard. That's hard to make that not feel cheesy. And I feel like she does a pretty good job of not making it feel cheesy. Um, she was annoying me a little bit in the beginning of the season with the, I don't need school. I'm just going to be a superhero kind of stuff. And I really felt like Pat could have had some better arguments there. Like you still need a job to make money <laughs> so that you can have stuff, you know, yeah. you're not going to mooch off, off us forever. You know, like, I feel like there should have been like a little bit more of a hard talk there, you know, um, but you haven't met Batman yet. He can't cover your <laughs> So, you know, I, I wanted a little bit more there that we didn't get. But, you know, for the most part, when it actually gets down to the superhero stuff, like, I think she's really good at what she does. And I think that they're doing pretty well with the character. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts about, about you know, um, Courtney herself or things that you would like to see or anything like that? I did like that they resolved um, her feelings with Jade in the beginning, where she was like, mm. Jade is everything that I thought I was and I'm not. But she came to realize that she doesn't have to be because she is who she is and that's fine. So there was a little bit of growth there, but again, one episode. Hi. Yeah. Don't vape. <laughs> All right, Eric. If we could jump back to Pat for a second. Oh, I, sure. I was, I was handling something there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, I did appreciate that for, for all the flaws of, uh, of, um, of, uh, I can't. I'm blanking on the on a uh, Joel McHale's Starman's name. Uh, oh, Sylvester. Um, Sylvester, yeah. Sylvester yeah. yeah, for all of Sylvester's flaws, I really did appreciate that scene where where they had the post post what they did because obviously we're getting to it, but they had the post what they did scene where he's like, "You're my brother. Like you, I know you've done this." for me since the very beginning. I don't want a relationship to. He's like, I know I've I know been kind of crappy and i know i've been treating you terribly but just know that you know i've always appreciated you and always loved you as a brother like i i loved that scene i thought i thought after everything we've seen with sylvester and just like how he is as a character so far it's like i really appreciated them taking that step back and being like okay we realize what we've been doing so let's let's take a step back and let's kind of repair the characters so you know people understand that he's not completely devoid of being being a decent guy like that he's got his brother's back here and i thought that was really well done and really well handled and kind of gave an extra layer to pat all right so yeah this is the last thing i want to talk about was our original jsa members and the fact that they're not actually all dead you know is is, is part of that but oh my god how they were treating Pat in all the flashbacks, except for the one like John Wesley ship, by the way, John Wesley ship. I absolutely love you. And you need to do all these shows way more often because whenever you show up on the flash, like suddenly like the whole show like ends up having like way more weight to it and you like bring the gravitas you know to the show but also this cameo in star girl this year also very very good and like yeah he's like the one guy that's like hey pat what do you think like you know like being like really like yeah like he his opinion matters too he's a good guy let's like involve him and it's just like yes 
yes, we love you, John Wesley shit. But like everybody else, including Sylvester, were being such a jerk to Pat. And oh my God, I was so bad. And I'm like, my God, like poor Pat. He's like, some, they're just like kicking this man like constantly. And so I was really glad at least that you see like why he has this friendship with Sylvester, that Sylvester was trying to like kind of shield him from what was going on, was kind of pushing him away. But then afterwards, it's kind of like, you know, like, look, man, you know, this is what's been happening. So I felt better about Sylvester after that. But man, man, those guys were jerks to Pat. <laughs> like really upset me. Um, but oh, yeah. me too. Yeah. it upset a lot of people. Yeah. But but but, you know, I I. I, I do find it funny that suddenly it's like, oh, yes, all the JSA are dead. But then it's just like, it's like, oh, let's just like start bringing them back. Because it's like first, OK, Dr. McNider, because the shade kind of protected him, you know, like he he was just trapped, you know, for 10 years. Uh, and now Sylvester miraculously is still around, although, of course, is that a misdirection? Is something else going on there? We don't know that one. And, you know, we're not going to find out until next season, I think. Maybe but... it's Biodad. <laughs> because we supposedly saw Sylvester die, and you would think Pat would know well enough to, like, check for a pulse or something. Like, oh, he, his yeah. eyes closed. He must be dead. You know, like, I would hope exactly. that's not, like, just assumed, you know. Um, but so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's going on yeah, there. Yeah, even if you're just the driver of the JSA, I would think you'd know CP. Yeah, yeah i mean yeah so i assume pat checked for vitals and everything so it'll be interesting to see what happens you know with that and whether that really is sylvester or if there's some sort of trick going on or or what's going on but nice to have dr mcnider back and honestly with like how beth idolizes him i thought that, that was like really nice you know just to have him there because of just how how strong of a bond beth had already like kind of formed with this guy just from what she learned about him you know to have him actually be there and to sort of give her his blessing of you know you are now dr midnight and you know you take this stuff and and so i thought that that was all really sweet and well done so See, it happened again you said my name i turned my head <laughs> I, was like, Wait, I did what all right <laughs> sorry so, so yeah jess so what did you think about you know uh, sort of the old jason and do you think it's going to be too much if they bring back any more characters or do you think that this is or do you think that yeah like if they can bring them all back that would be great no, I think if they keep bringing them back, it's going to be a little too much. And it's mm -hmm. going to like call that very first scene that we see into a lot of question. Um, they kind of already have with what they've done with Sylvester. And so I'm really curious to see what's going to end up happening with him. Um, I mean, there, there's been some people kind of postulating that it's like a shapeshifter and like all of that. And I think personally that that may have been ruled out with our finale scene he was able to hold the staff he was able to wield it with Courtney so I think this is Sylvester but the the real question is like how did he come back like where did he come from what's what is his ultimate plan I feel like he's not really in it just to solely track down Courtney and mentor her so I'm I'm very curious to see what they do with him there has to be a reason that they brought him back um, so basically now, why is Sylvester yeah i mean exactly <laughs> why is sylvester <laughs> okay but, but then yeah with dr midnight since he's out there and alive and well and he has a son i think it would be cool to see little cameos of like his dynamic um i know he's officially passed the mantle over to beth which i did like because you know she was kind of questioning her identity there for a while but i wouldn't mind checking in on him from time to time 
Right. And since they've already shown he's like a tech genius, like anytime they need some new thing whipped up or whatever, it always can be like, yeah, let's call him and see if he can help us out, you know, with something that he invents that can help them in some way. So, yeah, that would be that'd be, I think, a good use for him where it would at least the cameo would matter, you know, to bring him in. Yeah. Um, Beth, what do you think about the old JSA? I have a sneaking suspicion that all of the training that's going to go on, it's only going to be like one or two episodes because most of it is going to be in between seasons. Mm. Like summer yeah. school is supposed to be where you know, you're between grades or whatever. So you, that was a bad analogy. I was just trying to, I was trying to pull in the, the name of- the Actually, you bring up a point though that I've had is like, if they let too much time in the real world pass and they're trying to say it's still the same year- for like them it's gonna be like because like courtney transferred in in like the middle of the school year and then it was summer school in the second season if the third season doesn't have a time jump it's gonna get like why are these kids looking so old when they're just supposed to be like 16 or whatever (laughs) (laughs) so yeah hopefully they avoid that yeah trope but anyway yeah but i i i'm a little nervous about them having so many characters like you were saying because Mm. yeah that's a lot and if they have the old JSA and the new JSA, they may be butting heads at times, and that's going to be annoying and CW-ish, um, which I really don't prefer. So I, I'm hoping that whatever training happens could be between seasons, but at least referenced in perhaps maybe flashbacks um, at other times, because I mean, who doesn't love a good flashback? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, certainly the writers of Arrow don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric. <laughs> hey, J- Jay Garrick was not part of the team that uh got in uh episode one of of season one. So we we well, no no did we saw his hat John fly Wesley during ship. the during the fight. We saw his hat fly across the room. So he was apparently there at that battle. I think he was supposed to be. Uh... Yeah, they didn't show yeah, his face, but they we'll showed see. his hat. We'll see because it's John Wesley Ship. You can can talk that man into uh into guest spots when uh when he need when he needs because i i would love more uh more jay garrick especially the yeah. proper gay jay garrick because he's awesome <laughs> um but i i do think what what will happen with even though like i said we have seen attempts to repair the jerkish tendencies of sylvester mm. um something tells me he took the coward's way out when it came to that battle, I think he found some sort of some sort of out and whether it was ran or hot or hid, he found some way to get out of that battle or was knocked out cold or something like that. And that's how he vanished and showed back up somehow. Like, I, I think I think that's the hook there. Pat got his bot got him out. And remember, he had that whole scene with Pat where he was like, give the staff to somebody, just not you. And then he like, he's like dead, right? Like, and so you would think Pat would have checked his vitals, you know, to make sure he was dead before just being not like Pat ran at that point. Well, I guess maybe, but you know, but because he basically told Pat to get the heck out of there. Didn't Pat drive away? Drove away. Yeah, he yeah, drove he a ways away. Right. Yeah. Grabbed him, put him in the car, and they drove away. Right. Because and, he's the driver. It's what he does. Right. And so, yeah, <laughs> that Kato, was the point that I had. Have, a, uh... you're, right. That was the point part that I had a problem with because it wasn't like Sylvester just disappeared in the fight. It was like Pat actually had him there with him. So I'm like, 
did he not check his vitals? Because that just seems weird. It's like, oh, he closed his eyes. He must be dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would hope as, I mean, his, Joel, as his former bodyguard you were better at it than that i mean come on <laughs> joel McHale has been upgraded to a series regular for season three right. so he has. whatever whatever's gonna happen is we're gonna get some sort of answers there no i, I think just so. have I a think, sneaking yeah. suspicion that something not nefarious but like kind of went unheroic more. with him yeah there's something more but um no, the major the major issue that I teased, and I mean, we all know how much I love comics, but one of the worst things that Jeff Johns has ever written basically almost came up here. And the only difference was that instead of erasing somebody's mind, they voted to kill somebody. And instead of the Justice League, it was the JSA. That's oh, the okay. only difference. You're referencing between... Identity Crisis with uh, yeah. erasing well, somebody's actually, mind. Oh, it's. It's identity crisis and a Justice League story because that's Jeff brought it up twice. And it was, oh, okay. It's my major my major issue here is it's a huge it's a huge thing that feels so out of character for the Justice Society of mm -hmm. any type of heroes. And I'm not saying that 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 these characters can't have flaws. That's not what I'm arguing. What I'm arguing is is exactly what what they had Pat point out only to you know turn around and have it completely ignored is Pat argues with we have to be better than the villains and that's completely ignored but the point of the JSA in their in their history is they've always been looked at as these major role models even to the younger heroes you know to even to the Batmans and the Supermans of the DC universe because they've always been not necessarily the pedestal, but you know, they've always been the hey, we were we were these guys that fought in World War II who always found a way other than other than murder. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it feels like such such a betrayal of the characters. But then again, this Ted Grant in the first place was terrible. But anyways, <laughs> um <laughs> I'm sorry, he he was bad. That uh it's one of those it's one of those things that like it just feels like oh the vote is three to two and it's like that that's nonsense you, mm. you you're the justice society of america you always find another way than murder you're not going to straight up murder somebody and i mean it was even like a twist in the blade the second the second poor pat sees the blood on sylvester's costume and it just it it feels like a betrayal of of these characters to mm. write them in that way at least to me and i mean obviously they they've taken liberties and modified this this team you know we're not we're not we're seeing sylvester instead of ted knight we're seeing like we're seeing other versions of of characters that want to be like obviously we have no idea where where mr mr terrific the original version of mr terrific was or is we have no you know there's certain characters that we're not seeing and other characters we have no idea when they were but it's still at the core of the justice society you you're never going to see justice society and murder side by side that even as a story point i feel like it's a major betrayal of these characters to have this flashback and be like oh but this was the truth of the situation it's like yes i i understand that you guys felt like and i mean the writer's room it's like i understand that they felt like 
this is where they had to take it. But it's still one of those things where in and obviously, in my opinion, the season, the the series as a whole kind of was able to subvert it and course correct by the end of the season. But that that episode and that reveal ticked me off so much as as a fan of these characters that it's I know I'm going on like a 10 minute diatribe you could tell how much it bothered me yeah no no I feel sad that it's bothered you so much it it just feels like I mean to 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 put it in the worst way possible it feels like edgelord for the sake of edgelord it does it feels it feels like there was no other way for these writers to be like oh this is what we're doing with the season it's like oh he murdered a child so we're gonna have them murder the host it's like no no that's not needed none of that is needed why are you adding this extra layer that you very easily could have skipped out and still had the season that we had there is no reason no reason for 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 that specific part of the flashback honestly it was for our one actual cw moment which was you withheld the truth from me how dare you you know and that was that very much felt like our typical cw superhero show kind of stuff um it's like this though this is the big dark secret that you know i'm not telling you know kind of thing um but for me like the actual decision and again, me not having the connection with the characters that you do, at least they tried to ratchet up the fact that if it was anything other than Eclipso, they could have done something else. But since this was, at least to their knowledge, the only way to defeat Eclipso after he had defeated characters way more powerful than them, you know, which again, which is why I think it was important that they brought up that he had defeated Dr. Fate and um the specter that it was like they were at their last tether like they had no way to go forward and they knew that he would just keep killing and so it was like that's why they made that decision and uh, again i mean yeah i mean you can argue all day long that heroes shouldn't do that and stuff like that but again if some things like you know like murdering people you know constantly and the only way to put that thing down is you know to kill them a thing or a person if it's a conscious being you know the only way to put them down is to kill them i mean that's why we have you know the the lethal forces authorized in some cases with you know uh police and stuff like that it's like you know if somebody's like just wantonly killing people you know and there's no way to stop this person in a non-lethal way you've got to you know, you've got to use lethal force. And so, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, I, I get at least what they were trying to do with it. And I think they were trying to show just how awful Calypso was through that is like, there was literally no other way to defeat him. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for whatever that's worth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think overall, though, this season was really good. I think they even addressed some concerns, not only about the previous season, but as the season was going, they addressed things like you said with the Sylvester thing with Pat, you know, in that in that one scene, just to like make sure that we knew that like, no, Sylvester wasn't a total douchebag, right? Like, you know, like he there there he was he was a good person. We just saw some like awful flashbacks for his character, you know. Um, so uh, you know, I like that. I appreciated that. And uh, you know, Dr. Midnight's really great you know and i think that they've shown him really well and yeah i mean their wildcats not 
the best but <laughs> i think that's because they have no plans really to use him outside of those flashbacks so i don't feel like they really felt the need to like really whereas sylvester is important he's continuing forward dr midnight's continuing forward they already had john wesley ship from the other show and they were just like oh yeah he's perfect for jay garrick let's just have him back so you know they they got all that um so yeah i mean like things that we haven't addressed i mean we've gone we've gone for you know a couple hours here um you know so eric was there anything about this season that you wanted to talk about that we just haven't gotten to uh no because i think we've i think we've managed to go over basically everything okay good uh jess yeah no i think we've had kind of a great conversation like you said kind of in the beginning it, it was one of those that they took a little bit and stretched it out a lot but they did it really really well with the way that they wove in all the character dynamics so mm-hmm. I, I i can't think of anything that we didn't touch on okay good i uh, wanted to <laughs> okay no that's good it's fine uh beth i feel like the one thing they need to take into season three is hey there's a bad guy in town let's check with courtney's mom you're right there is sort of a trope there of you know contacting courtney's mom through just the fact of her job you know <laughs> like yeah. she just ends up circling with the characters um <sighs> yeah i was just gonna bring up the thing uh we didn't really talk about it but the whole thing with Cindy and and like she had some plan for Mike, it seemed at one point, and then they just made it like a thing of like, oh, like I'm just gonna intimidate him and use, you know, like I don't know. I thought that it was it was going to be like Cindy was going to try to like manipulate Mike into like joining her to like the GSA won't have you, but you can be our, you know, you can be in our group, you know, kind of thing. Uh, have him be like her little spy. Um, so I don't know. It just seemed like that kind of went like nowhere interesting and i don't even know why they kind of teased it um but i don't know uh i think with that they were going more for the misdirect but i agree like it was kind of a disappointment when he turned out just to be bait when you thought there was going to be more meat to his story right especially with the shade being injured or the eclipse i'm sorry you keep confusing the names even though they're <laughs> totally different uh eclipse that's with eclipse on the idea of like trying to manipulate yeah. somebody into like darker versions of themselves i was like this will be interesting to like have these mm-hmm. two things coincide and yeah i felt like it didn't really go anywhere you know and so yeah that was an example of another thing you know like just like yeah i wish that they had done you know something with that that was a little more interesting um but uh but yeah i mean I'm looking forward to season three. Um, Beth, is there anything else that you want to see in season three other than what you talked about? No. Okay. <laughs> Eric, do you have anything that you want to see in season three? Uh, I would. I would honestly love to finally, at least, even if it comes, even if it comes from the shade. Come on, just name drop Ted once. Ted mm. Knight. Come on. Okay. Because we need. We need at least like obviously they've been going for more of a living entity for the for the cosmic rod but i would love to love to hear even you know the shade kind of look over and be like oh i remember i remember when uh when you know the original starman was was working with it or on it or you know like maybe at least have like i said maybe have shade uh 
go into some of his past and some of his history since that man's been alive for over 200 years it would be fun to even if they they go full meta have the season like open with a flashback to him hanging out with oscar wilde and sir arthur conan doyle and charles dickens because that would be that would be fun just just uh, but no um i did have so obviously i would love to see ted knight um give me gentleman ghost you name dropped him Give them to mm-hmm. me. Give them to me right now. <laughs> they name drop quite he's... a few. That they did like Predegaton and quite yep. a few. Like when Courtney's going through the files, we got a bunch of villains, you know, like uh, in there. But if you're if you and obviously we don't know if they would use them, but if you use Predegaton, you got to bring Rip Hunter back. Yes. Well, but you this gotta, is another. You got to have one time traveler go head to head with it's another a different time earth. traveler. It's a different they're, earth. They're notorious to each other. Uh, right. It's a different earth. So it could be a different Rip Hunter than uh, oh, yeah. Arthur Darvel. But yeah. Well, that's why I like I, that's why I was going to say I would love to see a version of Mr. Terrific again. Mm. You can get another awesome African-American actor. Not that not that the guy on on Arrow wasn't good. I thought he was great. But I mean, if you want to bring another JSA member in, bring this so terrific (laughs) echo kells liked my comments on his instagram so i i am all about echo kells he's an awesome guy (laughs) i mean avi we we don't know if we're gonna see obsidian we could see obsidian we could see adam smasher i mean there's plenty of there's plenty of legacy characters they could still play with without flooding the team too much just bringing like two or maybe like one or two other characters and kind of play on their legacies just as much. Cause I mean, our team has expanded now to from four to six. So, mm. I mean, it would be fun in with a possible seventh with Cindy, but still they're <laughs> doubling or tripling the main cast in the next season. So if they're not getting like a full season next year, I don't know where they're going to put all these new characters because it's not just the JSA growing. It's just like, we're adding Sylvester in as a regular, we're adding Sportsmaster and Tigress and Artemis in as re- Like It's like the cast is like hugely expanding on their show, all regulars. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, like what they do. And I'm fine. They want to, expand it to a 22 episode season next year that's fine but like you know i'm i'm a little worried about having so many characters in a 13 episode season um but jess is there anything that you wanted um from the next season i mean i will always take some more shade for Mm. sure because i loved him and he said he's sticking around so i love that um and i I'm really just interested to see where they go with Todd. And I would love if they introduce him as Obsidian because I just think that would be super cool and like a nice pull in. Um, so I'd say those are kind of like the two things that I would like to see the most. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with the show as it is. Like I say, like, if they want to add some more episodes, I feel like this is a show that could go the other way. You know, like, lately, they're shrinking shows down. Like, my understanding yeah. is, like, for instance, this season of Batwoman is going to 13 episodes when it had previously been a 20-episode season show. But this is a show that always leaves me wanting more. So I feel like this is a show where they could go the other way uh, next season. Um, you know, obviously, with 
all the unknowns about COVID. I don't know if that's practical or whatever, uh, but you know, it would be nice if they could, you know, expand these seasons and go a bit longer. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, like give me like a family trip with Courtney's family and the Sportsmaster family, whatever their actual last yes. name is. Like it's the Crocs. Gi- the Crocs. That's it. Give give me give me that. Give me something fun like that where it's like they don't want them to come, but then they're coming with, and then it's just. <laughs> you know dealing with them like they get a big camper van they go down the camper right. okay, it's like that's yeah, fantastic. yeah. and then have itself. them like completely like they want to eat something and have them like get rid of the food that they were bringing <laughs> and like substitute their food you know like all you know there's it just writes itself with the comedy yeah. there i mean that would just be you fun s'mores right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. well isn't the tagline for season three frenemies so oh that's, right that's yeah. right yeah so i think they're gonna play a lot on that with um our former isa members yeah so again these are the people who were totally okay with brainwashing everybody and you know with murder and all that kind of stuff but it's like they're cool because you know they're they're they just want to be good parents i don't know so in some ways it's just like this doesn't like it doesn't add up but it just doesn't add up in a fun way so we're just going with it so (laughs) All right. Um, but yeah, no, this has been a good conversation, everybody. I really enjoyed this. Um, but now it's time to say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online. So uh, let's start with you, Eric. Internets, as always, you can find me just basically through my Twitter. You can find everything else. It's just at Eric Radcliffe. And you can find the Wild of Comics podcast, the audio edition, as well as New Comic Day and Random Thoughts and everything else connected to my social media through there pretty much because i am very easy to find uh and thanks as always for having me goodbye internets yeah no problem it's I'll be good having you, Eric. And uh, Jess, say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Absolutely, yeah. So people can find me over on Tomorrow's Legends, uh, where we're podcasting about Stargirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Superman and Lois. So we're covering all three. Um, We're hoping that they spread out their seasons, although uh, we've just learned that Superman and Lois will overlap with the end of the season of Legends. uh, So that'll be fun. But um, yeah, you can just uh, type it in tomorrow's legends and uh, you'll you'll find us pretty much all over the place. Uh, if you're looking for me personally, you, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Justin Atlanta. I don't tweet a whole lot. Uh, I kind of go through spurts, but um, definitely if you follow us on our podcast, you'll get a lot more info. <laughs> All right. And yeah, I'm actually, I actually hope they keep Stargirl as a summer show if they're going to keep the seasons this length, because uh, yeah, I I really like having a DC show to watch like in the May to August, like obviously this year it was delayed, but you know, the first year it was like a May to August show. And I think that's the perfect time is to have a DC show then when nothing else is on, like, that's great. So I hope they actually keep it there. So then you won't have the overlap, at least for Stargirl. And that can be on its own. The whole reason we took on the other shows was because we had this huge break from COVID for Legends of Tomorrow. So we're like, oh, let's do Superman and Lois because that looks amazing. Oh, let's do Stargirl because that looks awesome. And then this year they hit all at the same time. Um, And of course I had to step away. So we brought on a third co-host. And so, yeah, that was fun. So they're a little more spread out going into 2022. (laughs) All right. And Beth, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? You can find me on Facebook and Etsy under the name Mrs. Whiskers Studios. And that's pretty much all I do with myself. So 
Okay. Thanks for joining. (laughs) All right. right. So Beth, Eric, and Jess, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And that's it for our Stargirl season two episode. We hope that there's going to be a season four, but as of the time of this recording, we don't know that yet, but we will definitely come back to you with our season three analysis when that gets done. And by then, hopefully we'll know that if there's going to be a season four or not. But right now we want to know what you thought of the episode. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you like our guests? What things you like about the show? What things don't you like about the show? All sorts of things that you can tell us. And we love feedback and we so rarely get it. You can let us know in a whole bunch of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com. Another way is to tweet to us at 42cast. Or you can go to Instagram at 42cast. Or you can go on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, the more reviews we get, the higher we show up on searches. So that's definitely better for us. So if you have an Apple account, we'd definitely appreciate if you would leave us a review. And yeah, I I think that's it. But definitely let us know what you think about the show. Also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon, which is a way that you can help all the shows on the network, including ours. You get various perks based on various tiers. Just go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can look at all of them. And if you have some money to contribute, we'd definitely appreciate it. You can find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to buy the episodes to watch them with us because we describe everything important that happens in the show. So if you just want to listen to us, learn about Doctor Who, listen to our banner, whatever, you can do that. But definitely if you watch along with us, you'll get more out of the show. I'm also on a podcast called Legendary Forces, also with Juliet, but we also have our friends Joe, Corey, and Ashley. We're going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So it's the movies, the TV shows, the novels, the comics, anything that takes place within the Star Wars universe. We're looking at it from a quality standpoint of, hey, is this stuff any good? But also talking about sort of the evolving idea of Star Wars and what's considered canon, not canon, why these things change over time, all that kind of stuff. So if that sounds interesting to you, we'd definitely love it if you check it out. I'm not going to mention anything more about cons or what we're watching or whatever, because actually I'm recording this about the same time I'm recording the outro for the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode that you just heard last week. So nothing more to report there as of this time, but certainly hope that you're all enjoying the updates. I don't really know what else to do with these monologue type segments other than to tell you a little bit about myself and what's going on here. So hope that gives you a little window into what's going on. That brings our episode to a close. Join us back next week when Jennifer Connolly will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. 
Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.